Random Art Tips and Rambles with Rafi. Hola, you amazing artist. It's Rafi. And Klee. And today we are going to talk about um, finances and how to make money during the pandemic or at least brainstorm some ideas. How to put yourself out there. What are some of the challenges? So this whole subject we got on because one of our patrons, one of our awesome patrons, had a series of questions for us related to what the situ- what is our situation right now. Right. Is basically what she wanted to know. So uh, Norma Jean's questions were um, kind of specific to us, but also I think it would be really great to hear what where you guys are at. What's the what's your situation with these questions and anything that you want to add to the conversation about putting yourself out there during a pandemic? So like some of the questions that she asks are specifically about like our income. Mm hmm. Okay, so let's let's start with the first question. Why don't we get into it? Yeah, so uh, her first question was, what percentage of your income or advancement of your reputation, your exposure, if you will, depends on two or three days shows versus website exposure and sales? Now, if you ask us this question right now, uh, the answer to this question right now is zero, zero percent. We do not depend at all on shows or live events for our income. Five years ago, I would have said it's about 50-50 yeah. um, split between doing live shows and web exposure. In the beginning, it would have been 100%, 100%. live shows. Yeah. yeah. Now, the reason that the percentage has dropped for us the way that it has is because we live in an area where weather is very unpredictable. And we started thinking about hurricanes and various other <laughs> things that might impede one from doing a live show. We realized after being stormed on and having various things happen with shows, having shows canceled due to weather events, having to cancel shows because of our circumstances, that we didn't want to be in a position where we were solely reliant on shows. So as you guys know, I'm the one that jumps in with both feet. So essentially what had happened was we were really, really uh, doing well at the Pal Fox market and we were doing a whole bunch of shows. And eventually I started to feel uncomfortable with the idea of doing the market because we didn't get a hurricane per se. We did get a hurricane, but it, it was one of those hurricanes that hit that there was like nothing going on uh, as far as weather here. And it really got me thinking about the fact that like uh, when whenever you do shows, because well, we would do a lot of shows and some of the shows got rained out. Um, some of the shows that were three day shows, you'd have day two rained out and we would spend our entire time sitting inside of a canopy with a huge rainstorm going on on the outside. And I realized that due to weather, the it just wasn't something that I could count on as far as making money. Not only that, but like also due to, uh, you know, whether or not uh, the show had marketed. So what I realized with a lot of these uh, shows was that the showrunners were going to make money because they were collecting booth rent, but there was absolutely no guarantee that the people who were doing the shows were going to make money, which was fine because you guys know that for us, it was a lot more about getting the exposure and getting ourselves out there and getting our bearings and gaining confidence. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but eventually I realized that if something were to happen, if we got like a big storm or something that just knocked out, cause I was in Miami when hurricane Andrew hit 
and we were without power for a good month That's afterwards. Crazy. Yeah. So like I thought about that and the fact that we're here in, in Pensacola and I was like, well, if we get hit by a hurricane, chances are we're going to be out of it for like a month. And if we've got no income for a month, that's, and no bueno. that's no bueno. So that's where I start to focus a little bit more of my efforts online and really taking a look at uh, how it was that we could not only make sales online, but also expand ourselves online. The thing that made the difference for me was eventually taking a look at our online market the same way that I looked at uh, the Palafox market, like, uh, you know, uh, festivals and stuff like that was the more places that I put myself online, the more chances that there would be people that would, it would lead back to our website. So all of, all of anything that I do online always leads right back to the website. Karen said, I've been asked to teach art classes to homeschoolers, which are many in the fall of 2020 school year. And then she followed up with, that's not what I want to do, but we'll pay the bills. You know what, Karen? Um, I could understand that, like it not being something that you want to do, but it paying the bills. But also remember that you can treat that like a stepping stone. Uh, one thing that I could tell you guys, because um, I, I have a lot of I have a lot of things that I say, like, you know, make sure that you don't need yourself, make sure that you don't whatever. And basically what it comes down to is your mindset when you're moving forward. Obviously, this is not something that you're going to want to promote, um, but if it is something that gives you at least an income right now while you're preparing yourself to walk away from it, then your mindset might be a little bit different. And you could look at this as for the experience. There's a lot of things in my career that I did that I was like, uh, you know, I did, I did a class. What was it? A, let loose and paint with Rafi. Yeah. Let loose yeah. and paint with Rafi. Obviously I don't want to do painting classes, but I figured out, well, what is the coolest way that I could do this where I'm going to have fun? And so like I thought about it and I was like, I'm going to do something that is simple for people to follow, but really, really weird, something that they're not going to find in any other class. So like I brought in a jar of dirt and let them use dirt as uh, as a texture medium for the paint. I brought in different mediums. So we mixed mediums. At the end of it, I had them like dripping something with a straw. So like I just had fun with the process because I knew that it wasn't going to be this long-term thing that I was going to be known for. And ironically enough, after doing that class, it was such a weird class that a lot of people, a lot more people wanted to join to the class. The, yeah. And I haven't done another class like that just because it's not something that necessarily I want to do. It's not something that I would avoid because I was able to have fun doing it. And honestly, the people that took the class, one of them brought in ceviche and they brought wine. So mm -hmm. it was really, really fun. But at the same time, like that's I don't want to base my career on that, but I'm not going to miss out on an opportunity to uh, compensate, especially back then, to compensate my income uh, doing something that's fun. Now, for example, uh, I have an artist friend that does painting for a twist. Painting right? with a twist. Yeah, it's one of those places where you go and you paint. Uh, and and the way that his schedule is set up where he's like on call all the time and he's basically an employee of this place. Like that's not something that I'd want to do because I just 
I understand him doing it because he's making an income doing it, but I'm not in a position where that is something that I would really have to do to compensate for some of my income. Yeah. There have been opportunities that I've said yes to in in my career uh, and where I thought, like, why am I saying yes to this? And really, it was just solely for the experience with the knowledge that, like, I this is not something I'll probably continue long term. Yeah, Yeah, this is not something I'm going to continue long term, but I'm going to get the experience. I'm going to play around with this because you have no idea, Karen where that's going to evolve to. Karen said, and it sounds like fun. So there's that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's the thing, like you don't know uh, what's going to come from it, what kind of harebrained ideas you're going to get in the future when it, when, when you're looking at this and what direction it might head, just as long as you understand like, okay, well, this is just something I'm going to try out. It's a stepping stone. I may absolutely and completely love it. And then it'll become part of my business it may be something that I just decide that I don't want to do. But in the meantime, you know, you've got other plans going on as well. And I think that that's, that's one of the important things that everything that I was doing online, because I was a total noob when it came to promoting myself online, I made sure that I had a plethora of things going on uh, at the time in order to be able to compensate for the fact that I, didn't know what I was doing. Right. Because who know who knows what's going to happen with any of those things? Exactly. If you have input for this, please feel free to tell us. And if not, I'm going to kind of move through these questions. Um, so her next question is, what are the challenges of qualifying well in advance for a schedule of show? Also with two artists showing two different mediums, do you take the juried event if only one of you qualified for it? And then the other one tries a spot in the craft show down the road that weekend to give themselves a selling outlet. Um, We decided early on doing the shows that regardless of the situation, because we sometimes we would divide and conquer, as we called it, um, where we were either doing two separate shows or um, we were in different spots at an event or what have you. We realized early on that like the whole show thing was not fun for us unless we were in it together. Yeah. Hello to lab lady. Hey. So early on, if there were, if basically we would contact a show and, and tell them like, you know, my wife and I, we love showing together. Uh, we're willing to pay double the rent fee, the booth fee. Yeah. Um, in order, but we just want one booth. And uh, some of the shows said, no, you're not allowed to do that. And uh, some of them actually were pretty open to the idea. Right. And some of them were open to the idea. So the, the, and that's where, that's where a lot of the way that we got started just doesn't fit into the criteria of a lot of people when they're talking about this in strictly financial terms, because obviously it would benefit us both to set up our own separate spaces but it was more about the experience and and what it was that we wanted to experience when we were there. Absolutely. It, it wasn't, it, it just, the money was never really that important to me, even though money was important. So like, that's something that I've, that I've always, even in the videos, I'm sure that you guys have noticed, I've always had a really difficult time uh, being able to express that because I don't know how to really quantify that, but really it wasn't about the money. I wanted to make money because I wanted us to be able to eat and be comfortable and pay our bills and keep going. But the money wasn't the thing that dictated our decisions. Right. 
So we did pass on some potentially lucrative show opportunities because we were happier doing this together. Um, and so that was a decision we made. Now, of course, hi to Blackbird CD. Hi, hi, Rafi and Klee getting ready for my stream. Great to hear you both. Oh, it's awesome. It's awesome reading your thing. Get, have an awesome stream, Indeed. Chris. We made that decision. And of course, there have been opportunities, not necessarily for shows, but like where you were showing somewhere, or I was showing somewhere. And the other one came out in support of. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because we're always in it together. I don't think that we ever actually signed up for a show where we were both signing up separate. Right. Um, but if there was a show where, like, you were showing your jewelry, then, yeah, I was totally I was there to be your support. And if I was doing a show where I was going to show my art, then I was there. Then you support. were there in support. Yeah. So I don't think there was ever like having to choose between the two because either we were doing a show together or one of us was doing a show. Absolutely. That, and usually we did the shows because we wanted to challenge ourselves because it was something new that we hadn't done yet. Um, it, there was always other reasons for doing it other than like this is a lucrative show. Right. Lab Lady asks, what if one does not have enough to fill a space solo? So that's that's an area where if like, for example, if we, we reached out to these shows and some of them said, no, you just you either have to do it solo or that's it. Um, but some of them were open to the idea, even not being a, a husband and wife team, but maybe doing it with a friend, a good friend. Yeah. Um, where you could share the space and share the cost. And a lot of shows are open to that. Filling the space solo. That was never an issue for either one of us, because like I said before, when we got started, basically it was, this is all we did. Mm -hmm. So we spent uh, 12, I mean, I, that's one of the reasons I say like, um, this is great that this is how we started. And hey, if you want to do this, this is fine. But it's not something that I necessarily recommend because for about three years, our lives, our entire lives consisted of working in the studio maybe about 10 to 12 hours, Monday through whatever day of the week it was, and then going and showing our stuff Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah. And then doing the same thing every week. And that happened for like three years. So there was a lot of series, uh, Kelly, that I created that uh, I could create maybe about 15 pieces at a time. So like they're 15 to 20, I think with my tree series, I was able to create like 40 pieces at a time. And there were small pieces that were on wood, but a lot of the artwork that I created was definitely more than able to fill the space. Kelly said, I would love to try and do a show type market. I'm afraid I will not have enough stuff. So that's where uh, I would say, look at the cost versus potential factor. So would I do a high dollar show if I didn't feel like I had enough inventory to make those sales? Absolutely not. But a market type show, I've done markets that were low cost where I brought out everything I had and sold like, you know, one to 5% of what I brought. And then I've also done those where I bring out a fraction of what I had and had just as good sales. Yeah. So, I mean, some of the shows that we did, like, for example, the Pal Fox market was like $10 to show at first. And then eventually they went up to $25 yeah. uh, gallery night. When they first started the gallery night thing, it was, $10. it was like $10 yeah. and then it went up to 15 
the Fort Walton art walk went up to, it was like $40 to show something. Yeah. There were a lot of those art walks that were 25 to $40 to show things. And honestly, when we talk about doing a lot of shows, that's what we did mostly because we, we didn't want to spend $500 to go and do a show that we couldn't show at together. Not when there was so much going on that was lower cost that yeah. we could participate And in. especially because there was some kind of consistency to it. Like we knew that the Fort Walton Art Walk was the first Friday of every month. And we knew that Gallery Night was like the third Friday of every month. And we knew that the Pal Fox Market was every Saturday. So there was consistency to a lot of the shows. And then within that, we would do a lot of the the local shows that maybe cost like 120 to 200 dollars to do yeah i would say kelly there's absolutely nothing wrong if you're gonna do like a lower cost show where it's not putting yourself at financial risk that much to take what you have and see what the and see how you feel about it yeah and kelly also uh i'll be honest with you uh in gallery night there was a there was a one of the artists i showed there he only brought out one piece and usually it was a piece that he was working on and he would go to these shows and just do them as an opportunity to be able to talk to people and then there were some other people that brought a that would bring a piece of art and maybe they had five or six pieces there with them Mm -hmm. and they'd be working on a piece and basically the way that they looked at it was how much of an opportunity am I going to have to talk to people and realize that like listen we could spend a lot of money on marketing and advertising and advertising and you're relying on someone else to spread the word for you so when you're doing one of these shows take a look at it more as advertising and marketing and yes, maybe the show is going to cost a hundred bucks, but how many people are you going to be able to meet face to face? And that is really going to have a bigger impact than anything. It's one of the reasons that I do recommend definitely if you're putting yourself out there to do a show or at least experience doing a show so that you could have some one-on-one interactions with people. Absolutely. Tina Colburn uh, said, there's a space at my city hall and also the rotary room at my library. I would love to show my art, but the artists that show there have large collections. So I would ask, is that a stipulation? Uh, Do they require you to have a large collection or is that what people typically do? Could Could you show there? with fewer pieces and still make it work. That would be a question to ask. Again, this is one of the reasons that I don't understand when people ask me, what do you do with your old art? Because basically I'm at a point right now where I have like 10 years worth of artwork. I've sold a lot of artwork, but I do have 10 years worth of like pieces here and there, things that I created six years ago. And so if there is any show like that, I know that I could fill a space that's an advantage that I have because I also have pieces. I have pieces that I take a long time on and then I have pieces that I are very quick. So like because of that, I'm able to just create stuff and store it. And honestly, a lot of times I create stuff with the intent to list it online and then just store it somewhere uh, because I always see that art as an investment into the future. Tina said, yes, the rooms are around 40 feet and they average like 30 or more paintings, I think. So that's where, you know, like hashtag future goals, like set your intention to put a collection together to to show there. Yeah. And Tina, I mean, one of the things you could do is actually talk to them. One of the things that I would do 
is talk to them now and see if you could schedule out something. And mm-hmm. that way you're giving yourself a deadline to work toward. When I did my first show, uh, you know, I, I talk about the, the big gallery show that I did that I had a hundred pieces. Well, I only had 60 pieces ready. So in a matter of two months, I found a way to create 40 pieces. Some of them were like bigger pieces that took some time to work on, but a lot of them were like these smaller pieces that were easy for me to work on that I knew that I'd be able to maybe complete four or five of them in a day because I was creating them in a series and they were small. So like it's, it's things like that when you set those kind of deadlines for you that are absolutely terrifying, that really push (laughs) you outside of your comfort zone and cause you to do things and figure out different solutions to it. I always have liked putting myself in a situation where I need to come through uh, because where it's I, a challenge. Where it's a challenge. So I, that's me. I'm not saying that that's for everybody, T- Tina. Tina said, I did email them back and forth and they want a CD portfolio for them to look at beforehand. Ah, gotcha. I see. So they want completed pieces. So they're, they're hoity-toity. Hoity-toity. <laughs> and still rocking the CD portfolio. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> I've not seen that for a while. So maybe that's something that like you set your own goal to be able to present them with at such and such time yeah. to be able to talk or yeah. maybe you'll find that yeah. some time will pass and you'll be on to other things. But um, if that's something you want to do, then set your own goals to have this ready for them by this date. Yeah. Tina, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll contact them and set an email. I am notorious for sending an email and giving them the deadline of when I'm going to get them the information. You will have said CD by this date. Yeah. You will have the CD by this date. And then I, it, even though I don't have the stuff ready, but I'll, I'll let them know. And then I'll, I'll make sure that I follow through with that. Um, just because I know that if I don't give myself a deadline that things could linger and I just don't, don't get them done. Absolutely. And that's been something that's been a challenge for me because my stuff is really little. So it takes a lot of jewelry to fill a space. And so if I don't light a fire under myself, sometimes the collection dwindles down to nothing. And then I'm like, Oh boy. Kelly said, I did get myself out there in a cool way. I just sent back my sketchbook project. Oh, very cool, Kelly. I love that. That is awesome, Kelly. For those of you who don't know, the sketchbook project is a really cool thing where you basically, you purchase a sketchbook, you fill it with your art, you send it back to them, and it becomes part of this collection yeah. that travels. Like an archive that travels. Yeah. It's really cool. I think it's a really cool thing. And um, even me, who's not a sketch artist, I'm like, that's such a cool thing to participate in. Like even with jewelry design sketch maybe you never you never know that's one of the reasons that i was when i when i talk about like the book and things like that like a lot of people because they like to talk in financial terms they'll be like so did you make a lot of money with whatever and it's like listen i don't know yet i don't know how much money i'll have made because i know what i have in equity sitting in the hallway exactly (laughs) i know exactly how much i have in equity in paintings i know the fact that like my book is going to be able to sell online i know that we have music online yeah I don't know really how much money I'm going to make this year. You can't ask me. I could base it on how much we made last year, but that's unfair because who knows what will happen. Absolutely. So Norma Jean's next question was, uh, 
and we kind of already touched on this. Do you try for the show that has high upfront costs, but great traffic, even though you know it might take forever to get the deposit back if you don't qualify? And generally, our answer has been no, unless yeah. it's something that we really wanted to do for personal reasons. One of the more expensive shows that's out there is the one of a kind show in Chicago. We have personal reasons why we might want to do that show. Yeah. But aside from those personal and sort of sentimental reasons, we wouldn't just jump on a show that had super huge upfront costs. Yeah. And, and I mean, the one of a kind show is like a $3,000 show, but it'd be so cool to do a show in Chicago in our hometown at the merchandise mart. And it's a three day show. So it's, it's hilarious because like the idea of, are we going to make money at the show? Like upfront cost, like blah, blah, blah. It's almost like, Oh, we're doing this vacation show. Yeah where we get to go hang out with a bunch of new people and things like that. So like, I don't know, maybe we have a very Pollyanna and very childish way of looking at maybe. it, but like, it's all about how much fun we're going to have. It's really not. I, I somewhere along the line of us doing shows, I realized that the more fun we had, the more chances there was for us to make money and so connect at, with people and connect with people. Yeah. So at some point I just stopped focusing on the money and making decisions solely based on money and more along the lines of, are we going to have fun with this? Yeah. Norma Jean's next question is um, what is the reality now during the pandemic with shows being canceled and possibly already paid for the spot? Are you finding that shows are willingly giving refunds or has it been your experience that they are finding loopholes to keep your show fees? We don't know because we were not uh, applied to any shows when this happened. Right. It's been my experience that I've read some stuff about events and shows trying not to give you your money back. Um, and I would say, well, that's a good barometer for shows that you would not be interested in doing in the future. Yeah. <laughs> most definitely. Um, I don't, I don't know what the reality of that situation is. I have, you know, like I do know people that have gotten their money back from shows. Uh I know that every time we've had a show that maybe got canceled because of rain or any situation like that. Um, I don't think we've ever run into an issue where they've kept our money. They'll keep the jury fee because they're going to keep that anyway. Um, but as far as like even the Baytown Wharf, when we did that, We canceled for personal circumstances and they were very understanding. Yeah. Yeah. She was actually really nice. She's like, so you're canceling because, and I was like, oh, because I don't think we're going to be able to make it. She's like, no, you're canceling because of the weather. Right. I was like, oh yeah, (laughs) yeah, we're canceling because of the weather. Yes, indeed. Christopher said I was refunded for two shows, but one was a science fiction convention that kept my ticket money for the weekend, but the artist gallery fee was refunded. Oh, okay. Okay. So they kind of like split the difference with they're like let's let's uh we're gonna keep some of this (laughs) tara said for me so far all shows offered refund or put toward next year yeah a lot of shows have been putting towards next year because obviously listen this this situation uh sucks financially and you know for marketing value for being able to put yourself out there but it's not going to be forever Absolutely. So, so Christopher said, I get to keep the ticket for next year. Yeah. Well, that's, See? that's awesome. Yeah. So I think 
obviously when it comes to shows, um, you know, like giving refunds for show planners also sucks, but they know that that's the right thing to do. So I think for the most part, I uh, think, I think right there, if you're not getting your refund back and you're like, you know, I really, cause there, there are situations where I understand where the show runner is going to say like, we're going to be able to give you a partial refund because really we don't have the money because we spent it for this and we're not getting a refund for the space or whatever like that. Mm -hmm. As long as they're able to, explain it and give you some like real feedback on it i would understand that but if somebody were just flat out like you don't get a refund because blah 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 Mm. then they would probably be somebody that i just wouldn't do business with anymore and and that's the way that i see like whether or not it's a festival or gallery or whatever it is i see it as a business transaction and you know every single one that we've entered in was on notice you know, like oh, yeah. if you screw us, we're not doing business with you again. And we are not going to promote you to all the artists that we meet while we're doing the shows out right. there. In fact, we're going to tell them to avoid you like the plague. Absolutely. Yeah, because artists do communicate in that way and help each other out and talk to one another. And so, yeah, it's definitely not good uh, to be a shyster in the <laughs> show planning world. Norma Jean's next question is, were you or were you not counting on art events for revenue this year? And so uh, obviously, given all we've been talking about, our answer is no. No, uh, we we were. So the pandemic definitely uh, hit us financially. Yes, I it mean, did. big time. Uh, but the pandemic would have destroyed us if we were relying on shows yeah because uh well early in the beginning because we were not prepared back then which was the reason why i started to shift my focus a little bit because i understood that we weren't prepared back then that if a hurricane hit and the local market went down in dumps we had no plan whatsoever put in place and so that's where we really, really uh, started to focus a little bit more online, mm-hmm. which was very beneficial to us when the pandemic hit. Because at this point, I think Clee actually quit the market yeah, this was the a, week before. This was a little story I wanted to share with you guys. We weren't, as Rafi was saying, we had started to pull away. But I did want to say right before this happened, I was going into my ninth year at my farmer's market and I was, I spent like a month, maybe more than a month hemming and hawing and crying and getting frustrated and not able to make a decision about whether I was going to finally step away from the market and finally focus on other things that I wanted to give my attention to, or if I was going to try, and I was really coming up with a lot of great excuses to keep doing the market because it was familiar and it felt safe to me. Um, So it was kind of like the last holdout to like really jumping in with both feet into the other things that we're doing. And I spent all this time debating and it was a week, about a week. I sent my resignation letter to the market and then this happened a yeah, week later a week later um where we were it was real and we the were going into a lot yeah. yeah and i thought man i spent so much time hemming and hawing and making myself miserable and being in emotional agony about leaving or staying or whatever and then this happens and all that debating that i did uh <laughs> was for what fortunately for me i had 
also put things in place where I kind of knew I was making the transition. And so then I was able to shift my focus. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the things like I love doing the shows out there, but at some point um, it became, it became a little too much. Like the idea that you were at the market for nine years to me, I was like, that's, that's way too long. Like you've been relying on the market for nine years. And in my mind, it's like everything that you do in your art career, whether it is doing festivals, whether you're doing, uh, you know, like Karen is doing this class or whatever like that. Every single one of those things in my mind should be a stepping stone because it is way too easy to get very comfortable and plateau where you are. Absolutely. And that's where I found myself. I I really, I knew that I had experienced pretty much all of what I was going to experience in that world. And I really, while I enjoyed my neighbors and fellow marketeers and I enjoyed meeting new people, like it was time for me to shift focus. And I was really clinging to something that was not, not moving in the forward direction for me. Right. So, and I think that that's important to like say here, cause like Norma's asking these questions, but it really has a lot to do with like the show market and stuff like that. And like shows is something that is big. We did that for, for seven years, yes, seven we, years. We've done that for you, longer than we've been doing the other thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like it, to me, it's very, very important to put yourself out there in that way. But I have a feeling that a lot of people feel like, that's the end all be all. Yeah. And for me, really, it's always taking a look at what's outside of your comfort zone and not allowing yourself to get comfortable. It's one of the things we talked about in the commentary where it's like, it is very easy because we're all looking for security and we're all looking for comfort and we're all looking for that stuff. Yeah. That when something is working in your art career, that you just kind of like focus on that and that's all you focus on. Right. But comfort can easily transition to stagnation. And yep. I've had it happen personally so many times. And I feel that as artists, like it is our job to consistently remind ourselves to be uncomfortable. Yes. To be willing to be uncomfortable, to be taking risks, to be doing the next thing, because there will always be something that we're looking at that we're like, oh, you know, it would be really cool if I could do that. Yes, absolutely. So obviously our current circumstances with the pandemic and everything going on, some of this discomfort <laughs> we didn't ask for. <laughs> it was thrust upon us, but yep. um, we've had to come up with creative ways. And I think that's where, um, with the exception of the the final question, um, I would love to get into brainstorming uh, and talking about some of the innovative ways that we have put our stuff out there in lieu of doing shows. Norma's final question to us, and I wanted to put this to you guys too, is to talk about the challenges and benefits of a different working environment for artists during lockdowns and quarantines, i.e. more time spent with family, more time spent with significant others, possibly more distractions, learning more about personal space, maintaining cooperative and independent energies in the home studio environment. Norma had asked us this question, um, you know, what's it like now that you guys are in lockdown together? Um, and so I, I actually chuckled a little bit because Rafi and I um, have always existed in this fashion as long as we've known each other. We lived in 
the back of a 92 Ford Explorer together where there was absolutely no separation. Yeah, I think it's hilarious because like even back then people were like, how do you guys how do you deal with how each do you other? deal with each other? And I was like, we're not dealing with each other. We absolutely love each other. We have always done everything together. We have always spent every day together. We have always shared studio space wherever we were living. Um, and so we've always been in each other's personal space bubble. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's funny because like there are certain things that just don't don't fly with me. So, for example, when it comes to our relationship, like I remember my cousin coming up to me and saying like, hey, man, we're going to have a guy's night out. And I remember him coming up to me and saying, we're going to have a guy's night out and me stopping and looking at him. And I was like, could Clee come? Because, like, honestly, I'd much rather hang out with Clee tonight than hang out with you guys. What are you planning on doing? He's like, oh, we're going to go to the bar and we're going to hit a strip club. And I was like, yeah, no, thanks. I don't yeah. you know, I'd I'd much rather be home with my person and hanging out. Um, and I remember my cousin looking at me and being like, yeah, but it's but it's a guy's <laughs> night out. It did not compute. Tara said, same with us. We were already together all yeah. the time in 11 years. I can remember one time that we didn't eat a dinner together. Right. That's just how we operate. But that's not the case for everybody. No, no, it's not. This has presented a different working situation, different family circumstances, different environments. And there is definitely a learning curve if that's not something you're used to. So you guys, please feel free to weigh in on that. But as far as we're concerned, you are my best friend and partner. If right. you weren't, and if you were a hindrance to me or a jerk face or not supportive or <laughs> like not respectful of my working environment, right. you would not be the partner that I would choose to spend every day with. Right, right, and exactly. And I mean, I think, I think one of the things too is because we've spent so much time together and we spend every day together that there's a lot of communication. And when I talk about communication, because you hear a lot about communication, um, it is very, very honest. So even if I am in a place where I disagree with something that she's doing, I will let her know. And then we have one of two choices. Either we are going to have a conversation about it yep. or we are going to have a conversation about it. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's how it is. And Clee is the same way with me. Like, and it doesn't matter if you don't have time for it, the conversation is going to happen anyway, yeah. because it's high priority. Yeah. So like, because we spend all of our time together, what matters most to us is how we're feeling and where we're at in each and every moment. And so like, that's something that we're focused on. Lab lady said, I lost that with my spouse. The more time I spend with my significant other being out with my foot, the more I want to go back to work. Yeah. That is a conversation that needs to, that maybe needs to happen. Yeah. Of like, what, where are we going from here? Where's the forward? Where's forward from here? I mean, obviously we're not qualified to do no, relationship we are not. stuff, but <laughs> at the same time, like for me personally, by the time I met Clee, I basically got to a point where like I was divorced and I decided that um, I was just not going to settle for anyone. And even with Clee, like we have this conversation all the time where I was like, you know, throughout our relationship, I love you, but we're both on notice. Oh, it, yeah. You know, like if I'm no longer the person that, that is supportive or whoever it is, like uh, Clee has every right to just take me out to the field and get rid of me. <laughs> 
Karen said, Carl, my biggest fan who passed 10 days ago was building walls for me, uh, for my new travel tent and was supporting me wholeheartedly in my new art career. I will not quit because of his support and his kids are going to step in where he left off. Oh, Karen, I love that so much. That actually made my eyes tear up a little bit. Same. And Karen, first off, our hearts and minds are with you. And secondly, I, I can't even find words for, uh, for the fact that you are going to continue, uh, to do your stuff, um, and, and keep moving forward mad respect to you and huge love tina said rogue art and couples retreat i love it (laughs) so we've reached the end of norma's questions and i don't know if we answered them in any manner of acceptable fashion but them's what we got to say about that i mean i can tell you one thing is that i do not strive to be acceptable So, so it works out in the spirit of what do we do now with the pandemic and other various situations posing us with challenges and differing situations with family, with working, with your creative self, with all of that. We've actually witnessed some super awesome innovations. Oh, yeah, yeah, people, yeah, yeah. People pushing outside of their comfort zone just our own patrons on yes. on patreon and like some of the stuff that they're doing like uh you know honestly everybody here the inspiration that we get from uh you know and it's funny because i get inspired not not just by people putting their stuff out there and like trying new things mm-hmm. but like people that are maybe having difficulty being creative and then they're getting in their studio and they're creating yes and that's something that i'm seeing with our artists that are here like doing new things um and pushing outside of their comfort zone or just getting out of whatever rut it was that they were in and putting themselves back in a creative place yes it is so inspiring to have uh an artist community that really really is pushing to do more than just give into uh the victim side thoughts yeah that or, or yeah feeling sad and just us it really is inspiring the clover artist said i'm having a really hard time staying focused since working at home but i've been trying my best to just keep going yeah that's, that's all. exactly that's it. that's it that's it you just keep going uh you tweak things you play around with things and see what it is that you could do have fun with it most importantly uh instead of looking at it as a serious thing what can i do to stay inspired in a fun, crazy way. Kelly said, for chunk it. For chunk it. Exactly yes. right. <laughs> so I'm going to do something a little bit different in this podcast. Instead okay. of like listing out a bunch of things like this is what we've done or whatever. I want to like brainstorm some ideas with you guys. And you guys let me know what you think of them or if you get your own ideas or, or, or whatever. Or if you tried is. one of these or things. Or if you've tried one of these things. Yeah. So – Obviously, one of the first things, because like we're talking about everyone that is out there, like so there's a lot of artists during the pandemic that have never shown their art before and are getting out there. And then there are artists uh, that we've been doing this for a while and then the pandemic hit and a lot of our shows got canceled. So the idea is like, how can we put ourselves out there? So Groovy Bunny Girl, I know that she's doing one of the Saturday markets, which is a curbside market. Uh-huh. That is going on every week. Yes. So I know that there are still certain markets that are happening that they're practicing social distancing. Contactless. Pra- yeah. yeah. 
Exactly. At, um, she also said, I'm putting myself out in a very out of my box way with live streaming. Oh, she's doing live streaming. Excellent. We're going to have to learn more about this and, and possibly uh, check that out. Kelly said, online gallery oh, show. Oh, yeah. Online gallery show. I love that. On the Clover Artist, I start live streaming again Saturday. Sweet. Excellent. So yeah, I obviously, think live streaming, I think uh, doing a virtual gallery show. Yep. The internet is the new Main Street yeah, right I, now. Yeah, I'm thinking. i thinking right now, I hate saying like the benefit of having a pandemic because I don't want to go down that route. But like the thing is that there are a lot, there were a lot of options out there that yeah. a lot of people were ignoring because we were kind of following the old standard of doing well, things. Well, it fell into the category of someday I might. Yeah, someday I might. Yeah. And then with the pandemic going on, so I know that a lot of people started uh, putting their stuff online. Yeah. So obviously, you know, like if you've never put your stuff out there, uh, doing an online marketplace like Etsy or ArtFinder or Saatchi or uh, I think it's called Mercari or whatever it is. There's a whole bunch of like platforms, mm -hmm. like big platforms out there that are easy for you to put your stuff out. Obviously, my advice is if you do do your stuff on a platform like that, have an exit strategy to have your own website. Yes, because you never know what's going to happen with online marketplaces. Ev said painter gunfight, digital versus real paint, scheduled for tomorrow on Reddit. Oh, that's so cool. What? One of the other things I was thinking after Karen talked about uh, doing the show, doing the classes or whatever uh -huh. was Skillshare. 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 You know what? I am a big fan of setting up residual uh, income, passive income type yes. stuff. And Skillshare is one of those things. It is not huge unless you have like a thousand classes on there, uh, you, you know, and you're making a little bit of money on each. You're not going to make huge money. But then there are people out there that have started their careers on Skillshare because they they really, really are able to get a big market. Absolutely. And so like we know some are, there's actually some of our patrons are on Skillshare and, and do very well. And they do very well and they're able to make a living. If you enjoy sharing what you know how to do, yes. it's absolutely a viable option for you, even if it brings in a little bit of passive income. Yeah. I never know what I'm going to do. So as far <laughs> as teaching a class, like I'm not good at it. I'm not good either, but I might try it. Karen said, yes, website still working on mine. Hang your art in local shops, restaurant lobbies, people wait in lines for takeout for as much as 15 minutes. Yes, Absolutely. exactly. Exactly. I have my stuff all over town. Even during the pandemic, there was a choice that I had of like, should I go get my stuff? Like it's not safe out there. I left all my stuff out there and I am still getting emails from people that are seeing my stuff in places some of them, you know, they're not buying it, but at the same time, I'm still getting out there. I'm still marketing myself without actually having to go out there. So it's absolutely fine restaurants and any place that you visited or know about that needs art on their walls. You know what I mean? Like you go into a place and you're like, man, these walls are really plain. Those are the people that you're going to want to talk to about putting your art up. Absolutely. One of the things also that I've seen a lot, and it's something that Clee and I are going to do, is the Facebook Live or like other kind of live events. Indeed. Obviously, you guys are doing live streams, but um, 
uh, Shupaloop did the live sale. Social media live sale, yeah. Yeah, so I love the idea of doing something where you do a live sale, you have a, a group page set up, and basically anybody that signs up for this group page, maybe they get like 25% off the day of the sale or something like that. Right. And that way you get people to show up. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about that is instead of setting it up as a sale or something, maybe do like an online appreciation of humanity or something like that, where you get people that have already collected your art. Obviously, this would be beneficial for anybody that has already had people collect their art. Mm -hmm. I know that I'm talking really fast, but I get really excited when I'm thinking about things like this. But like where you get people that already collected your art. They get a 25% discount and they could bring a friend or two friends oh, sure. to the live and then they get maybe a 5% discount. So it's extra like, a, it's like a collector's round table yeah. uh, live event. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they bring a friend and I would call it an online appreciation where you're just targeting people that did already know you. They already that, know you and yeah. love your art, right? Other than that, you could just do a live sale and promote it to everyone and see who shows up. So obviously you have your website, like Karen was saying on there, uh, you know, and the one thing that's really important to remember when it comes to a, a website is that you got to uh, promote your site. A lot of people set up their site and then it just goes off into the tumbleweeds as it slowly I... floats off into the <laughs> ether of the internet. Um, you got to remember, like, Everything that you do online, whether it's social media or a live stream or a blog or anything should lead back to your website. It Your website should be the hub where people could find out more about you. Tina said, what about doing lessons through Zoom? And yes, absolutely. Yes, Actually, absolutely, we Tina. have a friend who is a vocal coach and who is now doing her vocal teaching uh, solely through zoom yeah and she's doing very well so the other thing i have is uh i already talked about skillshare personal website print on demand redbubble teespring printful if you have a website the cool thing about printful is that it's um uh drop shipping so basically they're buying it on your website and then uh printful will drop ship it and they'll put your logo on the packaging and all that stuff these are all passive income. So it's stuff that I recommend. Now you may not make huge money off of it, but it's the same thing as with your website. The more you promote it, the more you get sales. Absolutely. <clears throat> Tina said, could you imagine what it was like in the 1800s during the pandemic without technology? Oh, Tina, I thought about that. Uh, I am very, very happy to be alive during this time now. Mm -hmm. um, and going through this situation now and being able to social distance even though we are much more connected, so we get to see a lot of the crap that is going out, out out in the world if we allow ourselves to get dragged into that stuff. Yeah. But I would take this over any other era. I am a staunch believer that- These are the best times. These are the best times, and the best times are the times where you're in. And there's room for improvement for sure, but we are always getting better and better. Ev said, Tina, check out stuff like Moodle for online teaching. Oh, sweet. That's Moodle's awesome. one that I haven't heard of, so that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Ev. Ev said, Redbubble and Teespring were my first online sales this year. That's awesome, Ev. Heck yeah. Yeah. Redbubble and Teespring. I love Teespring personally for the t-shirts because honestly, that's that's probably where I get my most uh, profit from 
Redbubble, you get a little bit of a profit. Teespring, I, I tend to get more of a profit on my t-shirts, which is always great. Apothecary said I'm on Redbubble and yee. Yee. <laughs> uh, one of the other things is blog. I remember somebody like a year ago on uh, YouTube was like, uh, doing blogs is outdated, but honestly, <laughs> I find that if you're like talking about something, like if you have a website and you're able to do a blog and you're able to talk about your art and people start following you little by little, because what you have to say is interesting, especially if you're talking about your art, you're talking about your studio life, you're talking about specific pieces and what they meant to you. Like I, to me, like if you link that back to your website, it's almost like you're having a virtual online show. Yeah. And you never know when somebody's going to come across your blog because they were looking for some kind of something on a topic and they discover you. Yeah. You guys, I have blogs. We, I have blogs that I wrote like two years ago that all of a sudden like spike up because it just so happens that that topic is something that people are searching online. So I always recommend to just write some blogs about whatever it is that you want. Don't write them because you think you need to write them in whatever way it is that they need to be written, but just write them because it's something that you're feeling and something that you want to share. Also, I think it's hilarious that someone said that writing about your life experience is outdated. Yeah. In blog format. This like person. Books, books are so outdated. Uh, this person, and I'm not going to say too much about it, but this person is probably one of the people that loves to thumb down every single video that I we see. have because she was very upset with me. Ev said Rafi Medium is a great way to turn your blog entries into searchable articles. Yeah. Medium. Yeah. Medium. Why does that ring a bell? That might be something to look into. Thank you, Ev. Yeah. Thank you, Ev. Ev is like a, a font of like knowledge about the things. You guys all are. Tea Public. Apothecary. Oh, yeah. Tea Public. Yes. I'm stalled on Teespring. Yeah. And Rhonda said out school is another online teaching option. Teach what you love and set your own schedule. Yes, Rhonda. I love that. Okay, I love that. This is awesome. Apothecary shared medium.com. So medium.com. And this is why you guys are so friggin' amazing because this community is together and like so far there's been at least 10 things that are like new to me that I haven't heard of before here. Yeah. So we're doing our research and looking into stuff and you guys are doing the same and together we are literally unstoppable. Yeah. Together we're uh planet power. Yeah. Whatever that means. And <laughs> I know that a cartoon, some kind of eighties cartoon just played out in your head. Yep. So uh, one of the other things is during the pandemic, obviously you got grants, you know, uh, PPP loans, EIC loans, uh, just wait for the forgiveness on the loans. Oh, But I think one of the things that a lot of artists didn't understand that uh, have a business license yeah. is that they were completely eligible to apply for PPP, PPP or, or EIC. EIDL. EIDL. Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, like for a lot of, and obviously there's a lot of grants out there too. I had somebody on YouTube say like, well, none of the artists on here are going to be able to apply for grants. And it actually made me really upset because this person was criticizing me saying that I was anti-academic artist. Yeah. But then they were acting like a total douchebag. Uh, one of the other things too is like um, publish a book and it doesn't necessarily have to be like a, a book, like a book book. But uh, I know that um, Kyle 
recently uh, he sent us one. He sent me an email on uh, Patreon. So I'm waiting for it to come in, but he did a coloring book. Oh, that's awesome. So like, you know, just the opportunity to put a book out there, something that is going to uh, print on demand or in some way where you don't have to do that much work for it. Like that's also an option for artists. You could print a book about a particular series or talk about your series. So like there's stuff like that. Ev said, I'll send Rafi a list of grant sources. I've pilfered from all sorts of places to share with you guys. Thank oh, that's you, awesome. Ev. Ev. Thank you. Heck yeah. Um, and, and even like you said, if it's a small book, I'm thinking about doing some writing on just some of the life experiences that I've had little short things. Yeah. Short- you guys, it doesn't have to be like, you know, like I, obviously I released the book, like the rogue artist survival and guide, it's 270 pages long. <laughs> it doesn't have to be something like that. It just has to be something that people might be interested in. And chances are, if you wrote it, you're interested in it. So It'll be something that people are interested in. Deanne said, I should do something with the homeschool lunch lady. Could yes. Be fun. Yes, you should. Yes, Deanne. But one of the other things that I have on my list is set up your own art stand or art show. Somebody contacted me the other day that had read my book and said, thank you so much. Uh, she contacted, uh, she went up to one of the restaurants. That, a restaurant on that a busy was in corner. A busy yeah. corner in a busy parking lot. And she asked them if she could set up her booth outside. And because the, you know, the, the restaurant owner was like, yeah, I love the market. Uh, everything is closed right now. Absolutely set up. And she set up and she's been selling consistently every single day that she goes out there and shows up. Yeah. And she was able to set up her own hour, you know, like her own hours and just talk to the restaurant owner and I think a lot of times when when stuff like that happens, I think about back when the highwaymen were a thing. Yeah, they they did their own thing because uh, they were, galleries. They were, were and... African American, so yeah. like galleries did not want to have them in there. Yeah. So they decided to start setting up to show it, show their work. However, wherever the opportunity, they made their own opportunities instead of waiting for opportunity. And uh, it's amazing. Story. And I love that. I love yeah. that so much. We had the opportunity to meet some of the highwaymen. Yeah, we did. Um, which was really, really cool. Because like these guys, you know, I, no matter what obstacle they had in place, they made it happen. And that I get inspired by that kind of stuff all the time. Absolutely. Tina said, you guys should do a VR online tour of your studio. We are thinking about doing that. Tina, actually. that's so cool. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things obviously is crowdfunding, Indiegogo, GoFundMe, Kickstarter. Now, my own thing with uh, any of these is that I've seen people go out there and try to do things where they're like, I'm an artist, send me money. And like, I believe that you should always have something that benefits the people that are contributing to you. Like, I, you have big ambitions and you're not quite sure how to fund it or you need the motivation to push you like with Rafi in the book. And uh, at the end of the day, the, the people that supported you get something. Out yeah, of it. yeah, exactly. One of the other things that I was thinking was obviously online art fairs, virtual galleries. I think we mentioned that already. Uh, you could do that with social media. You could do that with YouTube. Um, you could set up your own virtual gallery. If you have your website. Yes. Which is one of the things that I've been doing with uh, Collab Lab. Yes. Is it's doing putting, our own show. Yeah, and I really love that. And you guys, I would like to expand upon the idea of the virtual gallery group show. 
uh, with Colab Lab and possibly going forward as a thing. Yeah. And that's all I got. Tina said it would be cool to do a whole virtual experience with music. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, Tina. Be yeah cool. I like that's another I love thing that to the fully immersive experience with all kinds of different things. I think one of the other things that uh, that I could think of uh, just brainstorming here is using Zoom in a way to like maybe meet with collectors or maybe set up some kind of zoom meeting. Oh yeah. Um, with people where they could get, you know, instead of, instead of doing uh, like the Facebook live or uh-huh. something like that, where you set like a very um, invitation only type of event, private like, showing yeah, where between they, a small, like a small group of people yeah. to view some art. I think that would be cool. Yeah, that is cool everything yeah our ability to adapt and i think our understanding that like security is like this really abstract thing that's not real right (laughs) Um, you have to have your like own sense of security makes us very it makes us very easily adaptable creatures tiktok is something that i want to play around with i know that tiktok is very focused on music like music is what does well and because Mm -hmm. we do music and we do art i want to find a way where we can mix those two together do something on there have something have some fun yeah tiktok yeah yes fun indeed ev said what about animating a piece of your art there are all sorts of little animation apps for your phone that you just roughly draw animations on a photo and they sort of move harry potter style it's clever and catchy and maybe something to share on Instagram to lead to your website. Oh, I love that, Ev. That's, yeah, me too. That's freaking awesome. That is cool. A lot of artists, I'm not going to say a lot of us here, but a lot of artists think that business is and marketing is separate from creativity. And the one thing that I have realized beyond anything else is that business and marketing is all about creativity, innovative marketing, getting out there in front of people in a way that has not already been done is all about creativity and having fun. And I think as artists, we are more equipped to be able to do something amazing during a time like this than somebody who's just following a marketing program. I think that's actually a good place to like close out. Yeah. We yeah. are we are very capable, very adaptable creatures, especially you guys. Like, yeah. You guys are a special level of awesome to me <laughs> and to the world, I think. So let's go forth and keep innovating and keep sharing and keep doing. Yeah. And keep trying new things and keep having fun at it. Cause it doesn't need to be like marketing, like serious. It's- yeah, I mean, that's one of the biggest things that gets on my nerves. It's like marketing is not a serious affair. It is not analytical. It is all about thinking outside of the box and basically answering the question, how can I get my stuff out there in front of people so that they know who I am? Yeah. That's it. That's all that you just got to answer that question for yourself and you figured out your marketing. Apothecary said, thank you. You're a bit of sanity in my world. And Karen said, stay positive, y'all. And I'm curious to know if you guys have any ideas or brainstorming as far as marketing, go ahead and leave that in the comment section below. That way we could all help each other out and uh, market some awesomeness. Yes. Let's share some harebrained ideas and see where they go. Absolutely. And thank you so much for listening, you guys. You guys are absolutely amazing. I totally adore you. And if you like this and you want to listen to more like this, just go ahead and click somewhere around here to subscribe. And thank you so much. 
Clee, you want to say goodbye? Good day. Adios.